Today on Abounding Grace. What this world needs is to see fervent love, not fervent complaining, fervent love, not, not fervent anger, not fervent frustrations. They need to see and to feel and to experience the love of God through your time, your expertise, your talents, your money, your resources, more importantly, through your hearts and lives. This is amazing grace. With many in our world fighting with each other, complaining and criticizing, the challenge from Scripture is for us to fervently love one another. That's what people truly need right now, and that's what we'll be encouraged to give out today on Abounding Grace as we get back into 1 Peter. Pastor Ed Taylor has an eye on just one verse, and that's 1 Peter 1.22. But we start off with this cross-reference. John 21, verse 15. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? The word there is agape. Do you agapeo me? Do you, do you love me with that sacrificial love of God? Have you learned yet? Peter's answer was, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, you don't see this in the English, but in the Greek, this is the Greek word phileo. Jesus says, do you love me with that self-sacrificial, surrendered life yet, Peter? And Peter says, Jesus, you know I love you as a brother. You know I love you as a friend. You know I love you in a family way. And Jesus just said, okay then, feed my lambs. And then the next question, verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape or agapeo me? Do you love me with that supreme God's sacrificial love? And Peter once again answers, yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. You know I love you as a brother. Come on now. Why are you asking me this? You know that's where I'm at. And he says, okay. He answers him, tend my sheep. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? Do you phileo me? And Peter was grieved because he said this. And he says, you know I do. I've said it to you. I think Peter remembered that moment. And he uses the same words here as he describes. He says, look, it's both. It's not one or the other, it's both. Jesus never corrected him, never said, don't you understand? Don't you, are you, do you not hear me? Do you not hear the word I just used? Do you not know the Greek yet, Peter, of all? Don't you understand? He doesn't correct him. He says, okay, I'll meet you where you're at. I love that about Jesus. There's two things I learn about Jesus in his relationship to Peter. Number one, he meets him where he's at. And number two, he's always willing to take you to a higher level. I mean, if you're just in that realm of family love right now, and maybe even just learning what family love is, and, and that's just all you can do right now, Jesus says, okay, then get busy doing what I called you to do. And, and you might be there again a year later, and he says, okay, okay. And then finally, he just says, that's where you're at. That's where I'll meet you. I'll meet you right where you are. Just come and follow me. Do what I've asked you to do. And I love too how it's tied together with action. 
Fervent love is measured in action. It is for Peter, Peter could measure, and I think that's sort of as you tie it together, where his letters was one of the ways that he fulfilled this encounter. He is tending and feeding the lambs. He, is, he not only is tending and feeding the lambs and the sheep of God in that generation, but now 2,000 years later, he's doing the same thing. He put it in writing so that it would continue to be a gift to his church until Jesus returns. I doubt that he even knew he was reading, writing the Bible, that he was being used by God to write the Bible, but there he is teaching us about how important it is for us to have family love here today. Family love. Not biting and devouring one another. Not talking about one another. Not talking behind one another's back. Not trying to destroy a brother or sister. Not trying to take away. I I mean, one of the most challenging passages in all the Bible for me as a pastor is when Paul writes to the Philippians about those people that were preaching the gospel to add affliction to his chains. Remember that? How is that even possible? How can you preach the gospel with the motive to hurt someone else? To make their prison experience? How can you in your mind, out of your mouth, share the good news of the forgiveness of God and the blood that was shed on Calvary? How is it possible that you could have that in your heart and at the same time want to destroy another brother? But it's possible. It happened to Paul. It may have happened to you. And so what did Paul say? Some people are preaching the gospel with good motives. Some people are preaching the gospel with bad motives. Well, what are you going to do, Paul? What do you think? You're going to praise the ones with good motives and put... And he says, oh, whatever way, as long as the gospel is being preached. And so our motive and our hearts are to, hey, I'm not going to bite and devour. I want to learn how to love you. I want to learn how to love you as a brother. And when necessary, I need to learn how to lean on the Lord for a love that can only come from God for you. I'm going to learn what Peter would say later on, that love covers a multitude of sins. And I'm just going to expect that there's going to be failure in this room. There's going to be failure among us. That that we are going to let one another down. Oh, not with ill motives. I mean, trying to do the best. We're just going to make bad decisions. So we're human. We're we still have this issue of battling in the flesh, the spirit and the uh, spirit, lust against the flesh. The two are contrary, so you don't do what you wish. But I want to learn how to love you as a brother, as a sister, and I want to learn how to love you when necessary with the agape love of God, the self-sacrificial love. And I think we do enjoy both here in the life, in the time that I've been here in this particular church. When you love the Lord and you know how much He loves you, then you naturally love each other. And we're all at different stages of that. We're all learning what that looks like in our lives. We have a love in our church that that laughs with those who laugh. We have a love that cries with those who cry. We have a love among us that serves and gives and sacrifices. We have a love among us that thinks of others more highly than ourselves. We have a love that helps when the help is needed. Because we live in a world filled with needs. And time and time again, the life of this church has filled needs, both known and unknown. We we prefer, as a fellowship family, not to mention every single thing that people do in this church. Why? So that people don't get all the attention of the love flowing through this church. It would be very easy for me to print out emails throughout the week 
I know sometimes tension comes with all the criticism things, but in my email box, the ratio of positive far outweighs the negative. And it would be easy for me to print out four or five, six emails a week and just come up and say, this happened through the church, this happened through the church, and we would rejoice in it. And, and instead, I selectively choose a few from time to time. I mean, I don't even do it on purpose. It's like, man, I just think people need to hear this so that you can be reminded on a global way that there is love flowing through the church. But there is so much happening, known and unknown, that truly God will get the glory. I mean, I think of how you're spread all throughout the community, not just within the church, but all throughout the community. I mean, you, we, I just found out this morning, the church is in, in the midst of COVID with very few people coming back to church. Like very few, a lot of you are still online for a variety of reasons. Uh, and I know the Holy Spirit will bring you back when needed, but like for a lot, the church has, the, the, the larger global church still hasn't returned uh, not only here, but many others, with all the COVID, with all of with layoffs, with having now to homeschool your kids when you go in. Now you have to, because the schools are closing and then you've got a job and you need daycare and then, and then you get sick and then you're fearful and you have fam. Like you think of all the pressure, all the pressures that our church has been under. But when I heard this morning, it was reported of the response that, this, that the church responded, I think near and far to the, thank, the request for the Thanksgiving meals it was overwhelming. I mean, I was shocked. I, I didn't know uh, of, of, until this morning just how well the church responded. And the response of the need, you know, the, the request compared to the needs has been lopsided this year. Like we don't have as many people asking for help as much as help has come through. I mean, that, that's fervent love. That's fervent love, where whatever it might be, from a can or a case, of, case or you, know, you brought in gift cards, whatever it might be, you, you might think, well, you know, it's just because you asked. No, it's because you answered the call the Lord asked you. You answered the call of the resources He entrusted to you. You were reminded of God's blessing in your life, and you responded to it. I'm in ministry today because I responded to one of those calls, just one of those invitations in the bulletin. I just responded to it because I felt like the Lord wanted me to do it. And, and little did I know that it would put me on a pathway of what God had in store. I have no idea. And I, just to think of your response and the over, it's just, we haven't done a lot this year. And what we've done, it's been behind the scenes. It's been the missionaries and we've done, but it's, it's like overwhelming so whether it's something like that or some of you that have taken the, the role to coach a hockey team or to coach a softball team or to be there for your kids at their game. I mean, you help out with little emergencies. You help out with cleaning things up and, and just the rise of people to clean. We have more needs for cleaning than ever before. And then we've had some challenges with those that haven't come in to clean and haven't, and then just people showing up to clean. Thank you. Thank you for showing up to clean because you're making it much more safer for the people that want to worship in person. But you're doing it as unto the Lord. And that is an act of love. Don't think about fervent love as just going around and hugging everyone real strong. I love you. I love you. I love you. Everything you do, seen or unseen, in the name of the Lord is a fervency of love. And people benefit from your life. When you visit the homeless or you go to someone's house that hasn't been in service for a while or you go to the hospital when someone's sick 
when you cook meals and you deliver groceries, when you help at the crisis pregnancy center, love flowing, not only among us, but it's preparation for what's, a, what's outside. Some of you are greatly convicted right now because you are examining your life. The Holy Spirit is examining your life right now. And you go, well, I just don't see any of that in my life. God is speaking to you to step up into phileo love. He's speaking to you to speak up into that. Man, I'm, gonna, I, I'm just going to be vulnerable and I'm going to care about someone. I'm going to reach out to someone. I'm going to put myself out there for the sake of the gospel. I'm just going to do it. And I'm just going to leave the results to the Lord. I'm going to send that text message. I'm going to write that email. I'm going to make that phone call. I'm, I'm going to step out. Some of you, you know, some of you love by your giving. When you give your time. I think of you, you guys that are here among us that are on the front lines, medical, in the medical arena or on the, as police officers and the kind of trauma and difficulty you've been on on the front lines, like on the front lines. And now with numbers spiking again, your workload. I was talking to my sister earlier. Now, you know, in her job, she's working overtime because people are let go and move on. And it's like, man, you're doing it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't forget that. What this world needs is to see fervent love, not fervent complaining, fervent love, not, not fervent anger, not fervent frustrations. They need to see and to feel and to experience the love of God through your time, your expertise, your talents, your money, your resources, more importantly, through your hearts and lives. Jesus didn't say that the world would know we're his followers because we meet in a building. He didn't say that the world would know where his followers because of your great preaching and teaching, your great theology, how you can argue with people and knock them down because you're so smart with the Bible. No. In John 13, 35, this is the mark of true discipleship, that there would be a recognition of the world, the world, the unbelievers, people that hate God, don't want anything to do with God, make decisions all day, every day against God, those people would know that we're followers of Jesus Christ because of our love for one another. That's how important it is. That's the teaching of Jesus. Love is so important. Fervent love among us is so vital that it is the witness that marks us in our relationship to him, love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbors, ourselves. That's how serious it is. We are the family of God. It starts with phileo, it grows into agape. You know, I think of agape love at times where, you know, agape love is required when we are unable to love. It's required when we're unable to care, where we yield and surrender ourselves to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And we remember we're a family, and families work through things. Families fight for unity. Families stick together, especially when times get tough. And you know, it's a neat thing to gather together, and that's what we are committed to doing. This room is truly, truly empty during the week, except maybe when the kids are in here for PE. It's truly empty. It's just a shell of a building. And when the kids, the academy kids are gone, then really with just us as the staff, the whole building is so quiet. It's so empty. But when the kids, like today I was down there for, the, for lunchtime and the kids are all walking around, even though you hear a lot of shh, you also hear a lot of happy kids around the property. The body of Christ is here. 
even though they're about half size, they're here full size. They love the Lord, and they love being here. And the room comes alive. This room comes alive when the church arrives. There's, a, there's life when we have our staff meeting up here. That's where we have our staff and our team meetings now up here so we can socially distance and do it right. We have them right up here. And the, life come, the room comes alive. The lights come on. There's prayer in this room. We're talking about the things of God. We're having devos, but it's just a room. You see, I know we're in a unique time right now. We're in a unique time where there is that need for many to stay on, to, to be home and stay online because of the crisis and the virus and that. But there are many people, many of you online or listening on the radio, that you do not belong at home. You need to get back out and exercise love and come back to the body of Christ. You're not just coming here for you. You're coming here for someone else. You don't just walk in, what do you have for me, Lord? What do you have for me, Lord? What do you have for me? We walk into the gathering. I mean, we start thinking about coming to church. We go, Lord, what do you have for me so I can give it away? That's what you needed in trials. That's the whole thing. What you have need for coming back to Peter is fervent love. You, you've had your souls purified. You are obeying the truth. There's a sincere love of the brethren. So love one another fervently. Increase it. Increase it. What happens when nobody shows up to church, to the gathering, if you want to call it that? Nobody shows up. Nobody's here to serve. Nobody's here to love. And maybe you're even here physically, but everyone else is doing the serving and the loving. You know, maybe it's just time to jump in. And the greatest time to do it is in the midst of the greatest trial that we probably experienced together as a church ever. Now it's time to do it. It's not time to back off. It's not time to put it in reverse. It's time to press in. The harvest is truly plentiful. Get our minds off ourselves and live in that word that the Lord gave us year, uh, months ago to live with preference, just to put other people before ourselves. Of course, we used it in some of the guidelines and stuff, but it's bigger than that. The little guidelines and things are just training. God's just preparing us for what's up ahead. He's just training us right now for what's next and what's next until the Lord returns. He's just helping us train the next generation as they watch us, our kids and grandkids. He's just helping us display or not, uh, by our choice, the love of God to a broken world. As you get your mind off of yourself and get your mind back on the Lord, it's both rewarding now with promises of rewards in eternity. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance because you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything you do, you're serving the Lord. Everything you do, you're not serving men, you're not serving your boss. You're not serving the government. You're not serving your pastor. You're not serving your supervisor. The Bible says, as you do everything heartily, you do it as unto the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward. And you can't miss this phrase, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He's your Lord. So that means whatever is required of us, we go above and beyond that. Because Jesus deserves above and beyond. 
He deserves our best because he gave his best. He deserves what we have and more. And if we make it just about the person and the people, then we've missed the point. God is desiring you to step in so that you can practice this fervent love. Not a manufactured or a phony or a syrupy fake love. It comes through your life notice of the Holy Spirit in verse 22. The presence of the Spirit. It's sincere without fakery. That's what he says. Sincere love without fakery. The art of purity. A concern that's birthed by the Holy Spirit. I know a lot of people use this phrase in the church today, looking for the Spirit-filled Christian. And they're always looking for the Spirit-filled Christian by some manifestation. And some churches even teach today falsely that the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is that you must speak in tongues. No. No, that's neither biblical nor true. The greatest evidence to look for in your life that you've been touched by the Holy Spirit is love. Well, we've been in the book of 1 Peter today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the book. To hear today's study again, just visit our website. It's AboundingGraceRadio.com. And there you'll find our podcast, also Pastor Ed's blog, our recent radio programs, a place to contact us, and even donate to the ministry as the Lord leads. That's all at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to grow on the go is to download our free app. Do a search for Ed Taylor and listen to Pastor Ed when it's most convenient for you. Well, Pastor Ed, the challenge before us today then was to love one another fervently. Can you give us some ideas on how we might do that, specifically during the Christmas season? Well, you know, with the Christmas season, uh, there's a couple of, of slam dunkers, right? Because Christmas season is such a year, a time of giving gifts, um, you can purposely give gifts to one another as unto the Lord. Maybe a, a neat Christian book, uh, perhaps uh, something special, especially if you know them, you know you know the person specifically, and you could give them something special that would specifically bless them. Another thing I like to do is bless people's kids, because you know when you bless a kid, you bless the parents. Uh, and, and plus you're just planting these seeds of love and joy in children. Um, I think during, uh, during the Christmas season, some ideas of showing one another love fervently is, is expressing that. Look him in the eye and say, I really appreciate you. Uh, look him in the eye and saying, you really add to me. I had someone recently share with me that, and it was super humbling to listen to it. Uh, he looked me in the eye at the cross the table at dinner. He says, you know, I'm a better man because you're in my life. And I, I, I felt a little uncomfortable because I think I'm a better man because he's in my life, but to also receive that God has used me that way in his life, and I'm grateful. And I have to say, I was like, I wanted to respond, you know, I wanted to say it back, but, but you know, I'm grateful he blessed me and ministered to me by sharing that, and he just looked me right in the eye uh, and said it right across the dinner table, and I, I'm, I'm going to remember that. Uh, that that's going to be a uh, an encouragement that sticks with me, or like the cards I read. I had a couple cards on my desk this morning that came in the mail. Uh, writing a note to somebody and just dropping it in the mail. 
And then you know the United States Post Office, they're, they're going to deliver it when they can, you know, according to their schedule and such. And so you know it's going to get there just at the right time. Isn't that awesome? Just at the right time. So just the desire as you're thinking about others, the Lord will honor that. I know that he'll bless that. And I would just say, act on it. Just go for it and do what the Lord puts on your heart. Great ideas. Thanks, Ed. This month, we picked out a book that we think you'll enjoy. It would even make a great gift or a stocking stuffer. It's The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Sort of like a journalist, Lee Strobel investigates the identity of the child in the manger, focusing on the hows and whys of Christmas. It'll serve to reaffirm your faith and to help seekers pursue solid answers about the first coming of Christ. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Now, please remember, this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. And we'd appreciate it if you'd remember us in your year-end giving to the Lord. To request the case for Christmas, please call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or visit us online at calvaryco.store. Well, we're glad you've taken time out for our study in 1 Peter, and we'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.